The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Do you have a desire to be famous? Do you want hordes of people screaming your name? Then ask your therapist if Hollywood's right for you. Hollywood, where you can spend your entire first year as an unpaid intern, followed by mandatory minimum 18-hour workday with guaranteed unpaid overtime. Where sexual assault is so common, you get to sign a waiver promising not to sue even before you start your new job. Warning, side effects may include insomnia, heavy drug use, thousands of dollars in therapy, alcoholism, bulimia, hallucinations, loss of integrity, complete loss of moral compass, bleeding from the fingernails after trying to claw your way to the top as well as excessive chapping of the lips from kissing everyone's ass. If you have these or any other side effects or begin to question your life choices, please contact your therapist because nobody in Hollywood gives a damn. Hollywood, shut up and take it. G'day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, or the fuzziest bear in the cage. I'm not sure which, Bear Fiora. It's both, actually. It's both. You're the, yeah, fu- both. You're the fuzziest I, and That's actually how they announce me when I, when I step in. The fuzziest bear in the cage. Well, I like that you're fuzzy. It makes you easier to snuggle. Thank you. It's like snuggling a Wookiee. I'm not going to acknowledge that. As Is that a compliment? Well, you didn't like Wookie me calling smell. you. smell. Have you not seen Star Wars? Han directly says it in, in, in the Han Solo movie when he first meets Chewie. Yeah, I'm going to say it this way. One, I, I worked on Solo. We won't admit that because I didn't follow my distribution plan. But two... Um, no, I originally compared you to an Ewok, and you said you were much bigger than that, and that's the only large, hairy thing that I know. Wait, what's that animal that they climb inside of? Oh, the the Tauntaun? You can be a Tauntaun. They also have a, uh, oh, my God, a Wampa, one of the big the big ice thing that attacked uh Fine, you Luke. can be a Wampa. A Wampa. Is that better? Yeah. You're big, you're stupid, and you hit stuff. <laughs> is that is that is that the plan here? Yeah, that's, 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 that's the plan. <laughs> like, if, like if a Wampa had... Took college courses. That that that's where if I'm a, at. If a Wampa took college courses, yeah. you, I am, I am concerned. Very, very, very. Wampa that's Stump. Wampa oh, Stomper. That's, that's fantastic. Our audio engineer just put through Wampa Stomper. I'm like, that's the, that's perfect. That's yes. the best response. Perfect. So we have a lot going on in Hollywood today, but more than anything, we've got coronavirus spreading like crazy. Everyone's gone back to work in Hollywood, and the shit already hit the fan. I'd like to remind everyone, every time we use bad language, we give money to the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Humane Society of America, and free MMA. We swear because we care. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to lean forward Yeah, I'm going to give you a little one. No, that's definitely a concern, of course, with me and my training with with people, being around people constantly is always a risk. In fact, I'm wearing a mask off and on these days just because of that. I got to say, I think the the most interesting thing about going back to work now is they're desperate for content, like just freaking desperate. I mean, you thought they were desperate during lockdown. They've used everything. They need to store their backstores. They need to put out new content. They're like, all right, we have a reality show about a turtle. We will follow this turtle. I'm like, you are using recycled footage from a documentary. They're like, yes, but we're calling it a reality show about a turtle. 
I've had people trying to pitch fine. me reality we shows about make porn that stars. Work. Oh no, we I could sell absolutely that. sell. Please, that. I sold mall cop. I could sell anything. But you sold mall cop. Long story. But is the, it a long story we have time for? No, it's not a good story. It's not. It's not a story I'm proud of. Did I've you, sold worse. Did you like working with Paul Blart? I never met. I never worked with him. Oh right, your your distro. Yeah. So what did you I like do selling is, Paul Blart. <laughs> I've sold worse. I've sold you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that stung. A little bit. Yeah, it st- was it felt like a butterfly sting like summer. Oh, well, you know, I, I did. What is it? I didn't get the nickname, the Wicked Witch of the West Coast, for no reason. Yeah, or the Ice Queen. The ice. That was high school. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I suppose that. I suppose that uh, suits. I've just gone with the new tagline. I keep telling everyone: get famous or die forgotten. <laughs> But that's such a good point, especially in this world where Hollywood is so fast-paced, where everyone's focused on you. You know, you know what happened? I, I heard of Billie Eilish for a total of 20 minutes, and then never again. She's occasionally has a song on TikTok. That that's all I hear about her these days. Your guys' industry and your world is so that you're either in, you're out, and when you're in, it's not long unless you're something. I love you something. snapping in the background like people can hear it. It just it just annoys the audio they, engineer. Stop hear? doing it. No, oh, okay. Stop doing that. <laughs> I thought you just you just did it yourself. I know. I it was bad manners. But the point is, uh, no, I, I get I get it. I do. I think becoming a megastar or a superstar isn't what it was. You have the Brad Pitts and um, the, the the Marilyn Monroe's of yesteryear, but we don't have stars like that today. I mean, we have what was her name? Jennifer Lawrence. She got popular because she was in a book. We have the stars that go into these mega blockbusters, but they sort of fade away a little bit too. And I think um, my cat's got up on the table. I think we don't see celebrity the same way we did. And social media has augmented it. So it's created an environment where people like uh, Jake Paul and Logan Paul and idiots thrive. It's funny you mentioned the more modern, um, modern faces of social media and popularity and influence when you go back and you look at the history of the people we consider famous or the upper echelon or ones we want to follow in stock if you're the ones that fuck their way to the top yeah well look at back in the the great people of the 50s 60s 70s anyone before the age of the internet uh that's when i think you can have your greatest superstars yeah it's it's the golden age because now everybody's everyone's got a million not not to be so blank blanket about it but everyone's got a million followers everyone's got Uh, attention everyone's got some the eyeballs are going in different directions it's when you can hit multiple platforms like in your case you fight in the mma world you have a social media following you're not hitting it in one place if you included feature film or modeling into that you would be then hitting it in three places and people need to hit it in at least three places to become successful. The place I think people are missing it. Um, so hit it in the face, stomach, and groin. Pretty much. Face, okay. stomach, and groin. Then re-stomp the groin. Then re-stomp the groin. I'm just I'm doing a Master Ken the, thing the, there. This, but... this, this uh, radio show is brought to you by Master Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, just and re-stomp the groin. So it's going to new places but reinforcing you are where you come from. Mm. Uh, but we're kind of at the at the end of the star. I mean, I'm not disappointed because people like Angelina Jolie will fade away, and she's a bitch. But we also are missing out on the nice ones, the yeah. mega stars that were. I, I can absolutely see that. I, I, I these days with all the Me Too and the controversies and the and the grown elderly executives touching up on little boys. I I always imagine that everyone's got a horror story. Everyone's got 
some a skeleton in the closet. I hard for me to imagine a nice person in Hollywood these days. Excuse me. I'm sorry. What, what's wrong? <laughs> I'm a nice person, you son of a bitch. Um, no, I'm kidding. I like your mother. Right I, I like I like your mother. So you're not a son of a bitch. But the point is, um, <laughs> no, I, I can see that. Everyone I know has more than one horror story. I have a few. My assistant has a few, and I really kept her away from the creepers. But they still get through occasionally. I, I, I mean, rem- look what happened to Terry Crews. Yeah. Terry yeah, Crews, Brandon Fraser. It's Brandon Fraser. Yeah, he was assaulted. Hmm. And he left the industry because of it and just spent his time taking care of his special needs child. Yeah, that that's a good encouragement for it. I can He's see a, that. He was the funny thing is with him, you never heard a bad word about his behavior towards other people. Right. But then all of a sudden you hear about him getting assaulted and he just disappears. Well, that's and he was a megastar when it happened. It's not like it just happens to newbies. That's what some people don't realize is that your superstars, people you idolize, that you want to be like, they're not immune to this kind of behavior. They're not untouchable. The people who are truly on top of the world, untouchable, the ones that you don't hear about, you don't see. The pe- Yeah. The people that are untouchable are the people you've never heard of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to your example of uh, Terry Crews, people would think like, oh, he's... He's on top of the world, millions of dollars, multiple TV shows, movies. He's he's this awesome guy. He's got everything he could want until he got touched up on by an executive because you can't do anything to those people. The executives, like Harvey Weinstein, he wasn't even top five bad behaviors. That's bad. That's awful to hear about, he's but he's not such, somewhere in there. Like, I, I worked with him. Was Bill Cosby in the top five? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, like, if we're talking degrees here. At least all of his people were adults. And that's, that's true. the best Harvey, thing I Harvey can say. Harvey went after kids. No, Harvey went after Oh, I beg your pardon. Who are you talking about? I'm not going to say that on, on air because. So, okay. So, Harvey. But the Kevin Spaceys of the world. Kevin Spaceys of the world. Go after I guess because he's already yeah. out there, yeah. But I think, Wait, didn't y'all string calls up gay though to like? Yeah. Oh my god, I felt so bad. Wait, I'm like, I'm, I'm a huge little supporter. Boys, but I'm gay. It's okay. No, I'm like, I'm a huge <laughs> supporter of of the LGBTQ plus community, and I'm just like, uh, what the fuck? Do you know how long it has taken them to disentangle themselves with pedophiles? Because for years they would turn around, like society as a whole would turn around and be like, he's gay. He's a danger to children. We like the gay community finally kind of backs off of that, and here comes Kevin fucking Spacey. Yeah, he, just he, like, oh, things got better. Hold my beer. He's, what is he, he's <laughs> making America great again. Oh my god! Like I was so I couldn't believe it. Like why would you do that? Do you know how long? If you're actually, if you're genuinely gay, you know how hard it was for the gay community to start shedding the whole pedophile thing that was dumped on them. Right. And he's just like. <laughs> I can throw it back. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm bringing back the creep. You know, he did. It definitely did throw a hardball out there, but I don't think it had that great of an impact. It did. No. People have turned. Yeah. People. People. Even one or two people doing that does affect that. When I first adopted Kimberly, yeah. Um, my friend Ray used to watch Kimberly. And she's she's a woman that spends most of her time in life dressed like a man. Um, she's not trans, but she's she's a lesbian. She's very very masculine. And I had people get upset with me that I'd leave my daughter with her. Like genuinely, I had people come over to me and have that conversations. Was some, wasn't that some time ago though? Or yeah, was that? that was when Kimberly was about six. Okay. And they would get upset and say I shouldn't be leaving a little girl with her. 
what if she does something to the little girl? And oh, I'm like, I see. Because, she's gay. She's not a pedophile, you ass. So be, because it goes against the social norm, it must like she's she must also be a danger she's to also children. a murderer. Yeah. She's also a she, she must be a danger to children. Now this poor woman, I read a screenplay about her life. That's how I got to know her. Yeah, she was given electroshock treatment in the '60s in the South to cure her homosexuality, and she forgot how to play music. She used to play music. Like they destroyed her brain, damaged her life, abused her severely. And the conversation was that. Oh, there's something wrong. Alexis, is that you? I don't know what happened. There. We have some Guys, we are going to go to break and we're having some technical difficulties. We'll see what's going on and we'll talk to you when we get back. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fiona, talking about some depressing shit from Hollywood. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. are listening to behind the scenes with host summer helene to connect with the show today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com now let's go back behind the scenes I always love how it says former victoria's secret model i'm like is that a backwards way of going she used to be really really hot but now she's smart so listen to her. I think, That's all I came up with. I think it's more of you taking a personal offense. <laughs> I know. It. I think I think it's because I put on uh, some COVID curves. I think they're calling that's that's what Is they are that calling. The that's term what they're calling now? it. Yeah. COVID so curves. if you got fat during COVID, they're like you put on COVID curves. Does like that that's apply like to when people too? yeah. Okay, because I put on some. COVID you put on COVID curves. <laughs> I'm like that's that's like when people turn around and they're like, 
I'm not fat. I'm just curvy. Dude, you're fat. <laughs> like it's, it's not COVID curves. It's you haven't left the house punch. Hold on. Don't take away my new coping phrase. Coping, coping phrase. Yeah. Yeah. You got to cut for that fight. I'm just saying. <laughs> G'day guys. Welcome back to behind the scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fjorda, and our very special guest, Jesse on fire. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you guys very much. So you said you had, I know we were talking during the break and you had said you had some uh, insight and some, some things you wanted to say about the topic we were on. We were talking about uh, Hollywood and a lot of the weirdness that goes on there. Oh yeah. They, well, the first thing I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get through this podcast without uh, saying something that negatively affects my life. So 50, 50, <laughs> but uh I would, uh, I would actually be, I would, I would be curious. I, now that you brought up the, the Victoria's Secret model thing, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the new direction of that company. Uh, so I don't like how they did the marketing. I'm going to be really straightforward. I didn't have a problem with them hiring a trans model. I do, I do have a problem with them hiring plus size models. The whole point of Victoria's Secret was supposed to be this idealized fantasy, not specifically for men, actually, but for women. And so I don't see a problem um, if uh, I don't see a problem using trans women. I do see a problem using plus size women. If you are, you know, a young boy fantasizing about growing into a beautiful woman, fine. I can see that as being a fantasy. But I don't like the um, plus sized body movement at all. It is desperately unhealthy. Uh, that being said, I've gained weight, lost weight. I was an underwear model, so obviously I was incredibly thin at one point, and I've been really, really fat at others. Um, and after being on both sides of the spectrum, I got to say, I don't think the way Victoria's Secret's going now is good at all. And I love that company. What I would like Victoria's Secret to do, and it's something I'm going to call and pitch to the company now that I'm talking about it, is for them to reach out to their models. Because one thing Victoria's Secret did do very well was with the girls they hired. I know girls that modeled when I modeled. Most have gone on to become executives. They have become top producers. They have become top clothing designers. They're some of the most successful women in the world started as Victoria's Secret models. They hired well, and I think that's what they should have focused on. It wasn't changing up their brand, but showing that these girls that were Victoria's Secret models moved on to be other things. I mean, we have Victoria's Secret models. There is a girl that is an astrophysicist. There is a girl. There are girls that have gone to MIT that were Victoria's Secret models, and I think they should focus on that. I think they went the wrong direction. They should have looked at the models that people were criticizing to show what these girls were because we are talking about women that have marketed themselves beautifully. They are incredibly intelligent and incredibly attractive versus focusing entirely on the looks. If you want to say there's something more to it, fine. But these girls do have more to them than they're being given credit for. That is, that is a brilliant, that is a brilliant answer. I, I hadn't even really thought about that, but that is, uh, that's yeah, that's brilliant. That is an incredibly, I, incredibly smart idea. I mean, cause honestly, like the, you know, whatever they think they're doing now is, uh, is not going to work. Number one. Um, no. but also it's like, it's like trying to fit what you want the world to be inside of this world. That is not that, and is never going to be that, you know, it's like, there's a reason why, um, you know, people want to, people want to look a certain way. It's because, Historically, that's what's been, you know, 
considered, I don't know, attractive to, to both men and women. And like to act as if that's, you're doing something wrong by fitting into that mold is absurd. And then also, to your point about people gaining weight, losing weight, the whole body positivity thing, it's like I understand, like I, I don't want anyone to feel bad about themselves, of course. But glorifying it as if being unhealthy is a good thing just so you can protect people's feelings instead of empowering people to improve their health and then look better, I just think that's a much better approach than uh, you know, than I what actually, people are doing. I, I'm a very big fan of the body positivity movement. It started with amputees and people in wheelchairs, and that's where it should have stayed. It oh, was about my body that's being beautiful, thing. and I fucking yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that is beautiful. When Victoria's Secret brought on a girl that had an artificial leg and she was doing full-on cartwheels down the runway, when you see athletes run with that, like, I love that. But I look at these models totally. and I compare it to being an athlete. The amount of physical activity we had to do, the way we had to keep our bodies. I couldn't wear makeup. I couldn't wear binding clothing. I couldn't even do my hair. Everything had to be protected for the job. It's it's like being it's it's like being an athlete. There is a physical expectation, and you have to meet that marker. Um, and so I'm not opposed to that. I did. I loved it when they brought in. There was one year we brought a girl in a wheelchair, and she was fucking stunning. They put her in a mermaid tail, and th that girl was prettier than anyone else on the runway, and she got the wings that year. I didn't have yep. a problem with that. So so what you're yep. both saying is you don't support the obesity-positive movement? Not at all. Okay, just as clarifying. Not at all. No. I, but also, I, I don't, and I really don't support them, you know, I don't support them scrapping the Victoria's Secret Angels. It's just really absurd, like, to, to, to connect – so, like, I asked my wife, I was like, what do you think is going on? Like, you know, so why does Victoria's Secret think that they're in a position where they have to make some drastic change? Like, you know, as an ignorant dude, well, I think he, of Victoria's Secret as, you know. opened his mouth. He really said something what? stupid. Like, there, there, there was a reason they had to change it, and it's because he's a dumbass. But I'll, I'll get there. What do you so think? you're saying as a dude? Uh, basically... There was a trans model that had gotten hired for Victoria's Secret, had fully had fully transformed. Um, one mm -hmm. of the most beautiful women on the runway, one of the most beautiful people on the runway. He found out she was trans, dumped her, and said, "This is about being a male fantasy. Uh, nobody wants to see yeah. that." And he so deserved like, to be fired. Oh, I know what we'll do. Was, <laughs> they went too far yeah. the other direction. He deserved to be fired, and yeah. he was. It's and Victoria's Secret men aren't spending their money there. This is about right. women and people that get all, you know, I've, I've, I've argued with feminists about it. And I'm like, I'm a feminist, man. I love this company. So I don't know. There's, yeah, I don't, I don't see how, why anyone would think that being a feminist and wanting to look attractive in lingerie would be mutually exclusive. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I think it depends on how people see the world. I've seen there are beautiful models. Um, there's there was one girl uh, that went down. I mean, stunningly, stunningly attractive. Um, but Victoria's Secret has always or used to be incredibly exclusive. They wanted a certain face, a certain look. They didn't want tattoos. Yep. They didn't want. It was simply about. They wanted soft, angelic features. I got hired for my face. And got told to lose my ass, <laughs> like, and and I but they loved my ass, but I I was I had one of the bigger butts of the girls on the runway because I always had a booty, um so I did a lot of the panties. I'm sure you had but, a lot of fans then. 
Oh, I do. Did, do, still do. Um, but Except your fans also tend to be the ones that are a little more hands-on, a little more creepy. No, 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 no. Those more... came from when I did horror film. Oh, my, horror my horror films. film I'm fans sorry. were the, were the, were the, were the basement ones, the ones that live okay. in their mother's basement. Um, I, I agree with you, though. But from your perspective, I mean, you're not in it. I'm, I'm like, emotionally involved. So it's a little, like, I'm, I'm a little more, I think, um, aggressive when it comes to the Victoria's Secret stuff. I'm like, no, don't pick on it. Leave it alone. I feel like that yeah. guy, what is it? Leave Britney alone. I'm like, leave Victoria's yeah. Secret alone. Um, yeah, for me, it's just, it's part of, like, a broader, a broader thing that's going on, which is, like, I just, I don't understand why companies are weighing in on, things that are culturally divisive. It's like, if I'm, if I'm running a big organization right now, I am, I'm not taking a side in any of this stuff, you know, like, I mean, look, like I, I, I would hire a trans model, you know, like that's, that's not what I'm talking about, but like, but making like these overt decisions that are like, we are going full throttle. Woke Into, to the bone. Like, yeah. And, well, see, I'm not, I'm not, there's money there. So something I think that happens is companies go too far. If they say nothing, they're considered unsupportive of social issues. If you're unsupportive of social issues, you're screwed. Coca-Cola proved that in the 60s. Um, if you go, if if you try and use it as a platform, you end up with, um, what's the name? The Jenna Girls Pepsi ad that was just ridiculous. Just so stupid. Um, or Gillette. Or yeah. the Gillette. Yeah, and, and no guys will buy Gillette ever for the rest of our lives after that. I, I think it's there's a point where social issues are decided by people. People's dollars are what affects companies. The problem is when companies jump the gun and rather than responding to their customers, they guess what their customers are going to want. They tend to piss them off. I think social issues, what's going on now um, – you know, I'm, I'm very, very liberal, liberal in my views um, by American standards. I'm very conservative by Australian standards. Um, and I find American politics very strange because Me too. they don't permeate everything in Australia the way they do here. It's not like, uh, hey, I like this sport or I don't like this sport or this guy knelt or this guy didn't kneel. Nobody cares. We care if you won the game. Like it's, it's kind of a, if you, Hey, if you have a political view and you personally want to put it out there, fine, do it, man. I don't care. It, it affects me in no way. Um, if you are pro that and you want to go along with it, like I, I never understood why Kaepernick, um, was fired. Uh, a green beret told him to kneel. Cause that's what they did in favor when they, when they lost military fellows. He's like, if you want to do it rather than sitting out the pledge, do me a favor and kneel instead. So this was started by a military friend of his, and uh, then, you know, it turned into this huge political thing. And in Australia, everyone would be like, oh, okay, he has his point. That's nice. Now, who won the fucking game? It's not going to be the focal point. Nobody gives a shit. Like, Australians just don't care. So it's so weird for me to come here and see this in America. Even the Victoria's Secret thing, like, everyone's like, yay, body positive. Let's support, you know, obesity and death. Um in you know Australians are much more let's call a spade a spade. Look, if you want to be fat, cool, but but don't tell me to be, and don't tell me it's cool, and don't tell me you're healthy. Yeah, be more honest, yeah. I think a little more upfront. Like nobody, it's it's. I, I think that's the problem. I come from a nobody gives a shit society. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been holding this question back for a few minutes now, but I got I got I've got to ask Jesse. Uh, what did you think of the Connor fight? 
So that is an interesting question. So the first, the, when I watched the first time, and I, I've actually, I've learned very, very recently that my ability to be objective watching any fight that I'm emotionally invested in the first time is non-existent. Like I, every time that I rewatch a fight where I really cared about, you know, the outcome of the fight, when I watch it a second time, it's like, it's literally like watching a different fight. And it's crazy. I'm like, geez, man. When you take away the anxiety of not knowing how the fight is going to end, you just can't really see it as it is. Because when I watched the Connor fight live, the way I interpreted it was, you know, Connor landed some good kicks. He made a poor decision and he pulled for a guillotine, which in my opinion, probably in hindsight now was probably because his, his ankle was hurt, but also because he's training with guys that are not as vicious as some guys, you know, like Dustin, et cetera, who, you know, would probably escape those guillotines in practice where he probably, he probably would have got that on a lot of guys he trains with, but that's total speculation. He might've just been hurt. But then once he was on the ground, he basically got smashed for two straight minutes, you know, was almost lucky to survive to get up, and then his leg broke. And that's, that's how I interpreted it. I, I made a video basically saying as much, and someone in the comments basically called me out. They're like, you're, you know, they're like I watch your channel because you don't do stuff like this. Like you're, you don't just go along with what everybody's saying and just like shit on Connor because everyone's shitting on Connor. He's like, watch the fight again. Just watch the fight again. And I was like, all right, fuck you, pal. I'll watch the fight again. And so I watched it again. And, uh, and he was right. Like, Connor was never in any danger at all in that fight. Like, the, so, you know, and it changes everything. It's like, you know, the first time you watch it, it's like, all right, so the fight ended because his leg broke. But Connor was dominating. I mean, I'm sorry, Dustin was dominating Connor in a way that seemed very unlikely that Connor was going to come back and win. And when you watch it a second time, what actually happened was Connor made a mistake pulling for the guillotine and then defended incredibly effectively when he was on his back and actually landed a lot of strikes from his back. He, Dustin threw 28 punches or strikes from the top, and he landed seven, maybe eight of them. And only a couple of them were, were hard shots. Like Connor, when Connor's coach, John Kavanaugh, said, I didn't see anything that I was concerned about, and the MMA community lit him up about it. And that, that was the video that I did where I was like, he, he must have just been saying that because he thinks Connor is going to see the interview that he did. And then when I watched it back, I was like, he was 100% right. There was no concern there at all. Connor was totally fine. He wasn't hurt at all. He was cute. You know, he, he has a way about him where he intentionally conserves energy and doesn't, you know, doesn't mm -hmm. expend himself when he doesn't have to. But, yeah, when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, they for sure have to fight again because there was Dustin A., was not responsible for Connor's leg breaking. Even even if Connor did break it on the on the shot that he threw that hit him in the knee, Dustin didn't check that kick. Like Dustin Connor kicked his knee. You know, like that wasn't that wasn't. Uh, I mean, Dustin didn't check the kick. He just didn't. I mean, unless you disagree, he didn't. He didn't check it. He just kicked his knee. And uh, um, I, I and nonetheless, say, like, oops, sorry. I think it's no, funny. You, say, like, you both got if, yelled uh, at. Go ahead. Jared uh, Bear got yelled at. Because he got on the first day and said Connor, Connor was not losing and he broke his leg. It looks like he tripped and stepped wrong. Everyone blasted him. You said Connor, like you and he took opposite stances. And then Jared went back and watched it and was like, um, okay, may maybe Connor was losing. Like you guys seem to have jumped and switched places on, on where it was. But I find it interesting. You both got yelled at for having opposite opinions. I don't think anyone, Connor, I think Connor's Connor so landed. divisive. <laughs> like, yeah. 
but but also Connor landed eight more strikes than Dustin in that round on the official oh, yeah. scorecards. And yeah. so like everybody was like, oh yeah, you know, it's a ten eight round for Dustin. Ten eight. I'm like, you can't score a, a round a ten eight round if the guy who supposedly has the eight landed eight more strikes than the other guy. Like I don't. Like, that's just. That's, that's utter nonsense. Like, that's just, you know, I mean, you could 10-9, you could say Dustin won the round, of course, but, like, if the other guy landed more strikes, it's not a 10-8 round, unless it's like, a, you know, one guy landed three strikes and one guy landed two, and, you know, he almost decapitated him with one of the shots. I mean, it's like, it just doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And like, yeah, I, I, I challenged everybody on my channel. I went live, and I challenged, I was like, watch it again and tell me that I'm wrong. Go ahead and watch it again and tell me that I'm wrong. Tell me that Connor was getting dominated and he was in serious trouble because he wasn't. You know, now Dustin is a monster. Like I'm not saying Connor was going to win. I'm just saying that that fight was completely not decisive. Told us basically nothing, and and you know I'm I'm behind them doing it again. Absolutely, they need to run that back and do a fourth one. I don't know who would win the fourth one. I'm thinking like maybe Dustin, just from what I can see, technical wise. But I agree with you. When I went back and looked over the video, because I did the same thing you did, I watched it once. Uh, I was involved in it. I put up a video immediately, went live immediately, and talked about it. Um, and I listened to the John Kavanaugh interview, and in, in that interview alone, I thought it was interesting that he was talking about how Connor actually broke his uh, leg on Dustin's elbow. Was I think his comment where he, he mm -hmm. wrapped it around the elbow or something to that effect? He didn't. He and, didn't hit his elbow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Like when you go back and look at it, there's a lot of things that didn't quite make sense. And I said numerous times I would not consider this a win for Dustin. This was uh, – I know they have their own rules about what makes a no contest or whatnot. But if I could ever stretch the boundaries of what makes a no contest, that's what I would call it. Because we didn't get a yep. decisive victory there. Not. You said Connor tripped. And, and I would have thought, thought it looked like. I would have thought that was crazy. Right after, the, right after the fight, I would have said that's crazy. And then after watching it a second time, I totally agree. And the other thing is like, you know – there's, there's other complexity around this fight, which is what's going to happen next because Connor is – so Dust, it came out that Dustin's base salary for that fight was $5 million, and with the number of pay-per-views they sold, he probably made between 10 and $12 million. Now, that is an enormous payday for a fighter like Dustin, the biggest of his career, probably around eight to ten times more than he's ever made in any other fight. And mm -hmm. so – well, maybe not, maybe not the Khabib fight when he had the interim belt, but – but, I mean, he probably made two or three maybe in that fight. So you're talking about just there's no, there's no comparison between what he made in that fight and any other fight that he's ever had or will have. So it's a very complicated situation that he's in because everyone thinks that he's going to fight Charles Oliveira next because Charles Oliveira is the champion. Now, normally, of course, Dustin would go fight for the title and try to get the belt. The thing is... Connor is coming off three consecutive losses at 155 pounds, and there's almost no possible way that the UFC can justify giving Connor an immediate title shot with three straight losses. So if, if Dustin goes and he wins the title off Charles, what he's actually doing is making it nearly impossible for him to take another $12 million payday. Can you imagine how many fucking pay-per-views that thing's going to sell now? Connor's, Connor's leg broke, and he threatened to kill Dustin's entire family in the microphone <laughs> in the yeah. octagon right after the fight. It's gonna sell. It's gonna sell a hundred million pay-per-views. Like there's, so he would be, to me, unless the UFC guaranteed me that I could fight Connor at 170 pounds, which they're not going to do, and I'll tell you exactly why in a second. I wouldn't take the Charles fight if I was if I was Dustin. I would say, give me, so, you know, Connor's gonna be out a year. Give me someone else. Let me headline a show against Nate Diaz. Let me let me do some other kind of weird 170, like a, a fight at 170 pounds, so it doesn't impact my standing at 155. And then I'll fight Connor when he comes back because. 
It's just about money. There's no other way. To, there's no. There's no place that you can. There's no other like sequence of events that's going to equal the guaranteed earnings that he's going to have fighting Connor in the next one. So you do like a headliner against Nate Diaz, make a few million dollars, then you fight Connor again, then you do whatever you want. But like, uh, I, I, think, I agree. You know, by the way, yeah, no kidding. That, that belt point. doesn't mean that gold strap means very little when it doesn't pay for the bills. That's the bottom line, it, and it, exactly it, that it Connor fight. Back end pay per view points. That you get mm-hmm. pay per view points. So like, if you have yep. the belt, then you get you get a couple dollars per pay per view, whatever it is. But like. You know, most of these guys with the belt are making a couple million dollars, you know, two, maybe two, three million dollars per fight, depending on how many they sell. I'm not 100 percent sure about those numbers, but I do know that 10 million is an enormous payout, even if like Mm -hmm. more than most champions make like by a long shot. And so even if you beat Charles, you get the belt, you have no idea who you're going to fight next because he's not going to get back in for the fight against Charles. So he wins the belt off Charles, then he fights one more time. Let's say he wins, you know, he'll make, call it two, three million dollars for whatever that fight is. I mean, and he'll probably make around 800 grand for the Charles fight. Then he's now the champion. He's made about $4 million tops and Connor's back. He could have taken the 12 million against Connor and now he can't yeah. fight Connor because he has the belt. And the, and the thing with it, like, well, the reason we, why they we won't gotta jump. That, we got to jump to oh, break. Right, I right. want to hear about this when we come back. Guys, we are on with Jesse on fire. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, Bear Fiorda. We'll be right back after these messages. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. 
G'day guys, welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. I want to give a quick shout out to Tiny Bubbles Hair Salon in Palm Springs, California. Thank you for making me red carpet ready after I looked so freaking raggedy ass after quarantine. Uh, thank you very much to Trainer Joe's Fitness in Palm Desert for slimming Bear down for his next fight because he has to lose like 40 pounds. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the Vine House. Thank you. While well, he's been out there training at Jim Henderson. Uh, it's it's been great to stay there. You guys have been fantastic. We have a couple of giveaways today from Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California, True Rest Floats, Sedona and Las Vegas. You can use it at any True Rest Floats, uh, Floats Bar and Foldable Ballet Flats with a pouch from Gracious, Graciously Your Sydney. I'm going to have our very special guest, Jesse on Fire, choose a question from one of his own videos, which is going to make you all go watch his stuff so you can win this stuff. Jesse, if you would pick something from one of your videos, something obscure, make them work for it. Uh, ask them a question, and they can win any of our giveaways this week. Okay, who do I think is the best 135-pound fighter in the world? Perfect. That Guys, quick that's too. quick. Very I nice. like that. Catch me. I'm Summer Helene on Twitter. And give me your answer. If you're the first person to answer correctly, you will be given a ride at Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California, a float at Churras, Sedona, or Las Vegas, or a pair of ballet flaps for you or you go. Now, I will say this. Uh, we do have some other giveaways going on, and I know Bear is doing a giveaway, a trip to California. Follow him on TikTok to find out about that. Now, we were talking about uh, Conor McGregor, who I think is a marketing machine, just FYI, but you guys were getting into how he broke his leg and getting into the um, how, ifs, and whys, the things I really don't understand. <laughs> so I'm going to hand this back over to right. Bear Fiorda and our very, very special guest, Jesse on Fire. No, you guys, you guys started off the topics with the Victoria's Secret, and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of the third wheel <laughs> for a minute, but now we're in the MMA world, and you're having to take a step back. Um yeah, we were. I discussed a little bit in the break how we both had uh, theories in the beginning when we first watched that fight, and then of course having rewatched it and heard some other people's opinions, we were able to find it, kind of put together the whole picture. And personally, right now, I think that Connor leg break had something to do with the previous injury, and that that fight should have been a no contest. And I hope to God nothing like this happens again. Uh, when it comes to their fourth fight, because there will be a fourth fight. I, I love when you're like, I'm so disappointed what, it, it ended. I'm like, I think Conor McGregor's more disappointed than you. Yeah, he's, he's probably more upset than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so did you see? Did you see the? Uh, there, there was a video of him. There was a video of him when he when he first got out of surgery, and he was uh, he was rolling around in like a you know in a in a wheelchair, and it, I just think it spoke so much to to what he's like because. You know, before I even get into that, I'll say this: like Conor McGregor is the ultimate example that the only thing that matters in this business is whether or not people are talking about you. It makes no difference why they could be yep. talking about you for literally. I mean, it, you know, assuming that it's not because you just got arrested for some kind of like demented stuff and you're stuck in jail, but anything outside of that, it is it is only positive if people are talking about you. You got half the world that hates you because you said blah blah blah. Guess how many fights your next one's going to sell, or how many pay-per-views your next fight's going to sell? And like, and and with Connor, he is a machine. The guy is he is the he's the greatest of all time when it comes to mixed martial arts fight promotion. And so you can never yeah. really just look at something that he did that people are talking about and take it at face value. Like, oh well, I guess that really demonstrates that Connor really is, you know, the worst guy on earth who said this, that, or the other because he knows exactly what he's doing. He, you know, he goes into this fight 
he he played the last one super nice. Everyone's like, man, I want old Connor. So he's like, you want old Connor? Then I'll give him to you. And he's just the biggest prick ever to the point. You know, he's, I mean, the biggest dick ever. And then after losing the fight and then getting wheeled out on a gurney, the first thing he tweets is, you need people like me. He called Scarface, the bad guy. He's like, he's just yeah. directly just saying like, yeah, you guys want me to play the bad guy? I'll play him. But then in the video after he got surgery, he was talking about the, the, the road that was ahead of him in terms of healing. And he goes, he goes, can you imagine, can you imagine the glory and the story when I come back from this and I, and I regain the championship. And I just thought about that. I was like, this is why he's incredible. I like that guy could, there's basically damn near nothing that guy could do to get me not to root for him for that exact. (laughs) He's like, you know, the guy gets, he loses three in a row. He folds his leg in half. He gets into it. He's in a, you know, the whole world is shitting down his throat. He's in a, he's in a, you know, a, a wheelchair. And how he sees it is, can you imagine what the glory is going to be when I come back from this and I smash him in the next fight? It's like, fuck, I love this guy, man. He's got yeah. a great mentality, to say the least. And thank you so much for bringing up that old Connor topic. I had a bunch of people hit me up and they're telling me in my DMs and my comments, can you believe that Connor said this? Can you believe that Connor did this? Well, how about this? Do you remember when Connor stalked Jose Aldo calling him a pussy for like five, ten minutes just outside of a courthouse or whatever? He just followed him in his limousine calling him a pussy for five, ten minutes straight. Like Connor does things to get inside people's head. He doesn't care what he says. At the end of the the day, it's calculated to just ruin the other guy's day and make attention. That's what he does. Yep, 100%. And the thing about Aldo where that was one thing where everyone was like, you know, because Dustin got on the microphone, and I actually think Dustin was doing, I think what he was actually doing is just doing an exceptional job promoting the fight, himself and the fight also. Because he's, yeah, like, he was. he's like, man, he said he's going he to kill me in the ring. Now, you don't say things like that. And it's like, well, I mean, Connor said that to basically every one of his fighters that he had a heated, you know, build-up for. He said that to Nate Diaz both times. He said it to Jose Aldo. He said it to Jose Aldo in Portuguese. He learned how to say, you're going to die in Portuguese, and said it to Clinton. Said it to Jose Aldo in one of the most like famous moments of that buildup. He took his sunglasses off when they were on the stage, and he said, "You're going to die in Portuguese." So, like the idea that like this is some new psychopathic Connor that said he was going to kill Dustin in the octagon—it's fucking ridiculous, and it's not true. So it's like, you know, we, I love that he's stayed in character after he broke the leg. Yeah. That's part of his genius. Connor knows how to keep that going. He knew from yep. the moment that the fight was done, the moment he, he knew that it was called, he had to do something, something to dramatic keep to keep it going, to take the attention off of what just happened. Don't give Dustin credit. Don't don't give attention to the leg. Just talk about how you're going to ruin him in the next one. Sell and that's what he did. It yeah, genius. Absolutely. Yeah. Just genius. He knew that next fight was coming. He, he kicked he kicked it, it broke or whatever, and he's like, okay, there's going to be a fourth. i got to do something so now. one of the things Conor McGregor did, and I know I, the fight world's not my thing, but Conor McGregor far transcends that simply because when he was broke living in his mother's basement, he took his first paycheck from his fight, put it towards a publicist, had a documentary about his rise to fame made about him before he ever joined yes, the UFC. What that man did is exactly what uh, Muhammad Ali did. It's what Mike Tyson's done. It's what these men do and these women do that become immortal. Yeah. What he did was genius. Yep. He is the poster boy for the secret. Yeah, it's a good point. The he's, he's the poster the boy for the secret. Sorry. Yeah, and the, the, thing that, the thing that really aggravates me about, like, talking to people about Connor a lot is that there's this huge group of people 
that didn't know who he was until he fought Mayweather. And that's when they, that's when he really hit their radar. And so they're like, geez, who is this guy? And they look and they're like, okay, well, so he beat this dude at the Alvarez. He, he apparently had a war with Nate Diaz. He lost a fight right before that. Cause these people who don't really understand the sport, they think that like the only way that someone could be like a dominant superstar is if they're like 35 and oh, you know, and they're like, wait, he lost two fights ago. I don't understand. How is he this big of a star? They just don't get it. And then he fights Mayweather and loses like every single person on earth knew he was going to, including him. And then yeah. he fights Khabib. And that's the first comeback to MMA and everyone's watching. And then now you've got an entire half the world who didn't know who he was that fucking despises him, which I, that's fine. Dude. If you're from, if you're from Eastern Europe and you're, or you're, you're Muslim, you have every right to just to look at Connor and just be like, this, this guy is the, antithesis of our way of life. I fucking hate this guy. Fine. I can't stand casual fans new to the sport who shit on him and don't, they just don't even, they don't understand. Like they, you're like, dude, do you understand the guy never lost it? By the way, he came up when Jose Aldo was the champion. When he knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds, Aldo hadn't lost in 11 fucking years, 11 years. And Connor said exactly what he was going to do from the minute he got in the UFC, he ran through six contenders like they weren't even there. And then he knocked out the, the, the pound for pound number one fighter in the world in 13 fucking seconds. So like, just, I, I gotta say that. people forget that they love the bad guy and the rock. I don't like him. He sued me twice, but hear me out. Uh, came up in the WWE as Did the bad guy. Twice? Yeah. Twice. Um, but, <laughs> so he and I have history, but, um, he came up as, as kind of the bad guy and, he started, he was like the all-American guy, hey, I'm happy to be here. It didn't sell. The next time he comes out, he's the heel. And Conor McGregor read yep. something in the world. The anti-hero was on the rise when he came out. So he came out as the heel. If the hero was on the rise, he'd have come out as the hero. He is smart enough to embody what people are looking for. And people want yep. someone to hate, and they're handing him their dollars. So I really yep. admire that. It takes it's, it's difficult to be the heel, but if you're good at it, there's money in it. It's also difficult to be the hero. Everyone usually falls in between. If you can be the heel or the hero, you can succeed. I'm also going to say to your comment there's earlier a lot about of pressure knocking on the out. Hero. Yeah, there is. I just want to say real quick to what you said about Connor knocking out Aldo. Uh, there's also that footage of him practicing the exact steps and and combination in the in the room, like in the yeah. green room, right before that fight went on. I thought that's that's the most you know, envision it and it will happen. I've seen it ever, just that moment. I'm yeah. knocking him out with that. Yeah. But it, there is yeah. pressure to be on the hero, but there's also pressure on the heel. And the reason there's pressure on the heel, the hero people may get sick of and will judge if they make a mistake. The, the, the heel is judged from the beginning and you're coming out to booze as well as cheers. So I, I think it takes a lot of... I think it takes a lot of strength to be willing to walk out and be the heel. Yeah. But in a world full of heroes, everyone wearing, you know, American uh, American flag apparel, Conor McGregor coming out and being the hero, the, the heel, when everyone tried to be the hero, made him stand out. It did. He was very clever. The thing is, like, Conor, though, is this weird kind of figure where if you just went off of people talking online or videos or whatever, you would think he's the heel. In person, he's never the heel. He's, he is the – I mean – I've That's never I've once seen him booed. Never. Everyone goes out of their mind for him in person. But on, online, people love to shit on him. But you know who's the real, the actual heel all the time is Colby Covington. And I have so much respect for what that guy does because he is intentionally making everyone hate him. 
He knows he's going to be coming into hostile, hostile crowds every single time. And there's something so impressive about that, knowing that you're walking out into a, an auditorium of 25,000 people and all of them want you to lose and you fucking know it and you did it on purpose. And then now you're going to go get locked in a cage with the toughest guy on the planet in your weight class and you're going to fight him until one of you guys is unconscious with every single person in the crowd hoping that you get knocked out. Like that is just granite balls. I just can't even. I agree. You know, it, I agree. at least you know, on top ball. of it, at least he had the skill to back that up. He didn't you got to have, you cannot, that's then, the thing. You can be the hero. You can be the hero and lose. If you're the heel, you've got to have some skills. And I think we have a, about three minutes to close though. Right, I want right, Jesse, right. cause we always get cut off. I want Jesse to tell everyone where to find him. You guys can find me. I should probably plug my Instagram since I never yes. do that. But uh, <laughs> I'm real Jesse, real, real Jesse on fire on Instagram. My YouTube is the one that's uh, that's uh, popular. You'll find me on uh, that's just Jesse on fire, and then I'm Jesse on fire on TikTok. That's actually really big, but I don't post there because they kick me out of the Creator Fund. So you know, why they kick you out of the Creator Fund? Uh, we'll go down a rabbit hole and I might end up stepping in shit when I almost got through this whole thing without doing it. Okay. So, we, will, we, won't, we won't do that. Right, we won't do that. Guys, check yeah. out Jesse on Fire. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on uh, The Real Jesse on Fire Instagram. Check him out. Follow him. He's great if you want to break down on what's going on in the MMA world. He goes a lot further than a lot of people. And it's not just a technical breakdown. It's also a breakdown on the character of the people as well. And of course, you know where to find Bear Fjorda, my co-host. He's always at Bear Fjorda. If you have any questions for me, I'm Summer Helene everywhere. Guys, uh, we have about one minute left. Jesse, is there anything you want to say to everyone out there aside from go watch you and buy your merch because they should? Uh, I will say this, that uh, if you were planning on just throwing out a random guess on who you think I think is the best 135 pounder in the world, you're not going to get it right with that strategy. <laughs> I like that. You're not going to get don't it right, take, so don't go take a look, go shot. watch. Go do your don't, research. Don't, no shots in the dark. I like that. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. I'd love to have you on again. I know we didn't get to any questions. We don't tend to. We start chatting. So my apologies to the audience. I know we didn't get to any questions. Thank you guys very, very much for joining us. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fjorda, and our very special guest, Jesse on fire. Go check him out. We'll see you guys next week. Good night. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.